3: Or call 562-314-4603 for more details.
2: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: This is Dan. Before we get to the podcast, gotta tell you about FanDuel. The NFL season isn't over yet. If your season-long fantasy football league just isn't cutting it, get your mojo back at FanDuel.com and pick a new team every week. Joey Watson Jay Watts from New York played fantasy football on FanDuel for less than two weeks last season and won over $30,000. Join him and the hundreds of thousands of other users who have already won money. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use our code around and sign up now. A new user special. It's ending soon. FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar up to 200 bucks. That's $200 free. Offer is only good for the first 50 people that use our code AROUND. Don't forget to use our code. What is it, Mark? AROUND. FanDuel.com, where every week is a new season. That's FanDuel.com. Sign up today. The AROUND the
0: NFL podcast cleans asbestos from the factory of sadness.
4: Welcome back to another edition of the AROUND the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler to my left. Greg Rosenthal to my right.
2: What up boys? What is happening? Let's be honest, some of the best heroes you've ever been around. You I'm, guys yeah, I'm not cleaning asbestos are in
3: any building. Awesome. Awesome.
2: What a fun what a fun afternoon at the uh, NFL media offices to watch this Cowboys Lions game especially.
4: Yes, it was the game that saved wild card weekend and a controversial game at that. I I get a feeling that Dino Blandino's got a busy week ahead of him <laughs> after uh, some of the events of that game, but a, a big comeback victory by the Cowboys and you know, we today was West of us of course with uh, the the Bengals playing their annual wild card game. you can probably guess if some if you're like maybe you're such a fan of this podcast that you don't watch the games and then you is there anybody that's like this you think don't watch the games and then listen to the show to get the results me i doubt they
2: listen to get the results but there might be some overseas that they don't get to watch it live but they do listen to the Mm, podcast. that's true
4: so four games to get to this is our wild card weekend wrap-up show chris wessling uh, of course on west of Us, a holy day he was off uh, and we're certainly not going to check. <laughs> that was in by accident, yeah. but it worked out well.
3: Well, around eight a.m., we received a color photo on his on his Twitter feed of a what seemed to be a vast Bloody Mary bar at a <laughs> at a local establishment. Yes, and, and it was I, roughly eight fifteen
4: in the morning. I don't imagine that he touched that. I mean, he's not a guy that no. likes to imbibe. But he is off. We're not going to get him on the phone just to play it safe. But Wes, we can imagine, will sleep with a smile on his face. Almost like he got a Red Ryder BB gun on Christmas Day (laughs) because we had the red rifle in Cincinnati to thank for that. But let's start, as I called it, the game that saved wildcard weekend in Arlington. Big D, where Tony Romo threw two touchdown passes to Terrence Williams, including one late in the fourth quarter, giving the Cowboys 24-20 win in the wildcard round, eliminating the Detroit Lions in a wild game that I feel like people will be talking about for a long time. Obviously, you had the, the controversial flag pickup on the pass interference call that would have really put the Lions in a great spot. And then Tony Romo uh, continues to rewrite the narrative of his career uh, this season, especially the last couple of months. Greg, I'll start with you. Tony Romo leads the Cowboys past the Lions. Is this the new Tony Romo, and does that make... The line, the Cowboys, a dangerous team here down the stretch. No,
2: they're definitely dangerous. They're an offense first team, which is what I like in the playoffs. Their defense didn't look great today, but on a day where I thought Romo was outplayed by Matthew Stafford, Romo was the guy in the third and fourth quarter making all the big plays. On third and long, he gets a touchdown. On fourth and six, he gets the big play to Jason Witten. And for them to win on a day where Des Bryant didn't do a lot, DeMarco Murray didn't do a lot, and the offensive line didn't play great and they still come back from fourteen points,
3: give the man some love. I feel I feel for Lions fans though, because for a team that has had no success in the postseason for for most adults living in Detroit and around the area, you've seen nothing. Right. And was this was a you know, the reversed pass interference call that's gonna be talked about in Motown four months. Well let's talk about it.
2: I mean, what did you guys think of it when you saw it? Well, it, the thing that killed me was just the lack of explanation.
3: Lack of explanation. If they that explained is it, weird, right? It Your instincts are—they throw the flag initially. That to me, I need—I need a clear explanation. And so did Jim Caldwell. A, and they announced
4: it. It's a twenty. It's a twenty to seven lead, I believe, at this point for the Lions. They—if this—if uh, they call it, prob- well, they did call it. But if they didn't pick up the flag, the Lions would have had it inside, I believe, or around the red zone. Uh, and they would 20, been, to the okay, time, yeah. twenty to fourteen lead at the time. okay twenty to fourteen lead at the time. But I thought seventeen. Sorry, it was twenty to seventeen. It was seven. Yeah. So I think here's the two part two parts of this. First of all, if you're a Lions fan, you have every right to be angry, and the people were going nuts on Twitter about this. Uh, that basically the game was handed to the Cowboys under uh, nefarious circumstances, which is silly. But also, I get the frustration about the call. The other part of it, though, that really drives me crazy, it's still. After they pick up that flag, fourth and one from around midfield, and that's a chance where you have to go win a game. You have Joik Bell, who's, who's running well in that game. Uh, but they, Jim Caldwell punts the ball away.
3: Well, they try to get an in offsides initially, right. and it doesn't work, so they're sitting at fourth and six. They go for the punt. I agree. I that's, thought that was gutless, yeah. and I
4: feel like especially in these type of games, that's how you lose. There was when a you, lot of time left. But I, people what a, a contrast,
2: though, between Jim Caldwell – And Jason Garrett, the football gods frown on the punt on fourth and one. But how about Jason Garrett? He goes for it on fourth and goal on the goal line in the third quarter, late in the third quarter. By now that that play is almost forgotten. They get that. Fourth and six. The logic was you go for it there. But I've seen Jason Garrett and other types of coaches punt or even try to kick a long field goal. He goes for it there. So the Cowboys went for the win. And as much as that call, it was a terrible non-call. I mean, it was an obvious penalty. Yeah. As much as that killed the Lions, they scored three points in the second half. And they had three turnovers in the second half. I'm counting the, the Stafford Fumble because technically they had two turnovers. Three turnovers and three points. The Cowboys, on the other hand, scored 17 points in their last three drives. Right.
3: I mean, so what do you want to do? Make a stop. I mean, Detroit's defense, the one thing that's hard, I think, if you're a Lions fan, too, if this game had been 30-7 to and the, what some thought would happen to Detroit... They played the game of their season. Defensively, six sacks, ten hits on Romo. I mean, they controlled the game for a big portion of it. They just couldn't do right, it down but the stretch. They, they let down in the end. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, back
4: to Romo. I mean, this guy has taken more heat than anybody in this league over the past ten years, I'd say. And I think this is something to watch now. Now, they're going to Green Bay next week where, uh, very interesting, Dallas – 8-0 on the road, Green Bay, 8-0 at home. Uh, I think how many times we see it every year, there is the quarterback of the team that gets hot. Mm. And and we're seeing Romo as a guy to me that could potentially be that guy as insane as that would be and if you imagine how – how he would be um, covered and how people would be going crazy if it was the Cowboys involved in that type of Flacco-like run. Uh, But he can be that guy, and I think they're going to hang in that game because I think Romo is an MVP-level quarterback playing his best football of his career.
3: Well, and and for him to hang in that game and then to move on potentially probably to Seattle, if they ever were to get into the Super Bowl, they will have (laughs) proven it. We're (laughs) looking far ahead here. I I don't think it's that crazy because I think Dallas is not a fluke team on any level. They are built to win these type of games if their running game is working. I
2: I don't think they're a fluke team either, but I think Cowboys fans and Romo and everyone should enjoy this game because it was a 14-point comeback. This is only the second playoff win of his career, first in five years. And, you know, this might be it. This might be the high point in what has been a really surprising, amazing season. And the way that they did it today just showed a little more mental toughness. The defense, which... I think is a problem, and it's going to be a big problem in Green Bay. Yeah. Did not play well in the first half, but they did play well in the second half, and they got the big sacks at the end when they
3: needed it. Another guy who I think gets you know taken taken to town year after year in Dallas is Jerry Jones, and, and for a good reason for a lot of it. But this is a guy that against the you know the outcry, of the fans stuck with Jason Garrett, stuck with Romo. You know I think he probably wanted to draft a quarterback, namely Johnny Manziel. Thank God they didn't do that. But this is a guy Jerry Jones that he's made some bad signings, but you know what? At this point with the drafting of the offensive line, a little bit of credit to the owner. I think he's built he's but finally built a team that he's talked it's about. It's a nice it's
4: a nice year. You have the governor of New Jersey bouncing up and down with him in the box. Sure. Everyone's having a great yeah, time. Yeah, what is that? I don't, it's a little weird. It's a little weird, but uh Not
2: likeable. But
4: honestly, Greg, keep politics. Yeah, let's, 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 I don't care okay. about okay. politics. Let's go down the political road. I don't Why care not? about politics. Right. I lived in JFK. New York.
2: I lived in New York 10 years. You know, you got to you got the uh The governor of New Jersey cheering on a Cowboys fan. There's a lot of Eagles fans, Jets fans, Giants fans that don't
4: like that. It's an awkward look. By the way, here is uh, the pool report. Uh, Referee Pete Morelli uh, with pool reporter Todd Archer after the game. The question, can you talk about the decision to overturn the call, the pass interference call, and why you overturned the call? The back judge threw his flag for defensive pass interference. We got other information from another official from a different angle that thought the contact was minimal and didn't warrant pass interference. He thought it was face guarding. So I guess their their decision was that they, the flag was thrown too quickly and they needed to confer, and that's why it's picked up. But it's still done strangely because there wasn't enough talking you, and communication. Right. The, I think
2: the biggest problem was they didn't announce why they were picking up. It was a total mystery. Right. And then Mike Pereira having happened to be on the game mentioning, hey, this is a crew that hasn't worked together before. It It's just a bad look. And when you watch the play again and again, it looks – Clearly like a
3: bad call. Well, that's the other side of it. (laughs) There was a lot of legitimate reason to potentially call pass interference. Oh, no, it was a bad
4: call. Should have been pass interference. They punt the ball away. Okay. They give up the touchdown. Okay. But you still have two and a half minutes left. Uh, You have timeouts. You have the two-minute warning. You get a gift from God, which is DeMarcus Lawrence uh, uh, recovering the fumble when Stafford gets sacked, I think, on the second play of the— Final or the second to last possession, stupidly trying to run with it, loses the ball, so they get a second life. Oh, man. And then Stafford, who's had some nice moments at the ends of games, he loses another, another fumble three minutes later, and then the game's
2: over. And that's on the Cowboys' defense in terms of giving them credit, and it's on the Lions' offensive line, which I think had a really good day for most of the day. That pressure was getting to Stafford quickly. I, I don't think Stafford played poorly. I, I said it. I think he outplayed Romo overall. He had a nice game for the most part. Stafford was accurate, made it three or four really good plays. He had that play where he ran over the Cowboys oh, what defender. A,
3: yeah, I mean, he, no, he, he showed up. The whole Lions team proved that they're more than what I think a lot of people, including myself, thought they were coming into this. I, th- I thought when they have a two touchdown
2: lead, though that they'd be able to salt it away with their running game against that Cowboys defense, and you have to give the Cowboys defense credit for getting some stops. And, and I think it's weird, but the biggest play in the game was the touchdown by the Cowboys at the end of the first half.
4: Yes, because yeah. that
2: came out of nowhere. They were getting dominated. It was 14 nothing. That, that came out of nowhere, and that just it made it a game where it really wasn't. I know it was 17-7 at half, but that gave them life.
4: And Charles Austin, the Lions defensive coordinator, did a great job. They were in Romo's face constantly in that first half, and that was part of the reason that was so shocking, too, because I feel like right before that, Romo, had, again, he was ducking for his life. Ugh. And all of a sudden, bang, 70-yard touchdown or whatever it was, and the game takes on a different complexion. So. Uh, this one, if you're a lions fan, this one stings. I feel for you, Kevin oh, yeah. Patra. yeah, yeah Kevin Patra, sure. I hope uh, he's probably not going to the gym tomorrow morning. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> he's taking the day off and he deserves it because that one was a killer loss. Probably
3: been in multiple street fights tonight and and <laughs> in, in, in <laughs> and who
2: had who had some big plays in this game, had a had one great sequence where he got the couple sacks. i he was emotional after the game. He was crying. He had to leave the podium because he was crying. And then he comes back a couple minutes later once he comp- composes himself, and he just said, this is a result I never saw coming. Like, he was that confident. And I think he knows that this is probably it for him in Detroit, and they had this great chance, and they yeah. had so many plays where if they just made one play, they probably won the game, and they didn't make any of those.
4: It was almost like the, the two kind of loser franchises of the last 10, 15 years. <laughs> and it was just like, who is going to figure out a way not to win this game? And it was the Lions. This is a game the Lions should have won. Cowboys stole it, and that's the
3: way. This you think game the TV people are excited about Cowboys Packers? Oh my God!
2: That's incredible. We I mean, to all get be the excited Cowboys. about the Cowboys being involved. This is
3: fun. I, I it's am fantastic. I am.
2: Ultimately, I'm happy, and I'm not a big believer in. Hey, you built something this season. Okay, you can build on that next season because you start all over, and usually it's it's really hard to get back to this spot. But I will strike a note of optimism. I think this Lions team is in pretty good position. If you look at what they have on offense, they're a really young offense. They're going to be there for a while. They have DeAndre Levy. They have uh, Ziggy Anta who broke out with a big game today. I mean,
3: I think they're in pretty good shape. Won't you, have trust, Sue, though. you trust Won't have Caldwell to take this team to a Super Bowl?
2: Well, he's gone to the Super Bowl before. I saw him blank on the sideline at one point. <laughs> it's too bad. Caldwell, got to go for the fourth down. Ugh.
4: Yep. <laughs> all right, moving on. So let's stick in the NFC. We'll cover the other NFC playoff game. This one was on Saturday where uh, the Carolina Panthers, 7-8-1 and on the season, still got them a division title, and they got the Cardinals in their building. We all thought the Cardinals, with their fourth quarterback of the year, uh, Ryan Lindley would be in trouble, and they were because Newton threw for two touchdowns, and Carolina's defense did the rest, setting an NFL record for the fewest yards allowed in a postseason game. Final score: 27-16 in favor of the Panthers over the Cardinals, who go home. The Cardinals, who were, of course, 11 and one. Mark, at one point, they end up uh, at, I guess, 11 and five, and it's all over now. And Mark, I ask you, how difficult was it watching a Ryan Lindley team <laughs> try to lead a comeback on the road in the playoffs? Well, and will I we ever see anything like that
3: again? I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's it's another example that injuries can turn at the quarterback position can turn what was a very solid, well-coached, resilient team and what should have been the team of ATL into an absolute punching bag. I mean, there was no confidence that they were going to be to able to do anything down the second half of this game against Carolina. And, 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 and you know, you talk about we want to see cow- the Cowboys get on to play Green Bay. That's exciting. Thank God that we're getting the Panthers next week. They 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 match up okay with Seattle. I'm not sure they're going to win that game on any level, but that's an they, interesting
2: they, game. Cam Russell Wilson, the two defenses. They're
3: running the ball well and they're peaking defensively at the right time.
2: Carolina's first playoff win
4: nine years. Cam Newton's first playoff win. Mm. Uh, so you know that's you know from a confidence standpoint. And and listen, they still haven't really beaten anybody good. I'm sorry, this was not a good Cardinals win. And, like, I caught some heat on Twitter. for I was a little annoyed that Cam was, you know, posing for photos with his teammates on the sideline at the end of the game. It's, like, it's basically the equivalent of you taking your buddies out hunting and then you shoot, like, a deer that has a broken leg. Well, and then you, like,
2: celebrate in front of the dead deer. This, this that's easy for you to team. say, but imagine if the Jets just won their first playoff game in not eight years. You wouldn't care about who they played. You would just be celebrating. That's a great moment for the entire franchise and for Cam Newton. I don't care who they played.
4: Well, no, there are. Right? T-
2: I mean, it, that's that's their moment. That's their big moment of the last eight or nine years. And if Wes was here, he would agree, and Wes
4: would break out his – his uh, he's a preening schmo line. And I'm not getting all over Cam Newton about it, but I just want to see uh, Cam Newton and the Panthers beat a real team in the playoffs. They can do whatever they want if they, if they take care of business next week in Seattle. But I'm just
3: saying, come on. So he, you're not buying Carolina as this hidden juggernaut here in the NFC?
4: They – they could be. They could give. They could give Seattle a, a run. But I. I also think we still haven't. They haven't been tested really during this five game winning streak.
2: Though. I think there's a balance between what I was reading from your guys' Twitter account on Saturday from the bar and the, the thought that this team is you know some sort of juggernaut, because it seems like you guys weren't giving them much credit at all. To me, their defensive performance, even though it was against Lindley, is still noteworthy. This is an NFL team that had 400 yards last week against San Francisco when San Fran- when Seattle killed Lindley in Arizona on Sunday night football people couldn't stop tripping over themselves to talk about how good Seattle looks and now they're the team to beat and yet a game where they were historically good I know it was Lindley but they gave up 78 yards, so there. It's was I think great. It was I think that that's worth noting that but they stopped the running game, they stopped Lindley, they did everything they could. It's
4: a team that is peaking defensively, so it really was an awful situation for Arizona to walk into. But this was you'll never see you'll you, you we could watch the NFL playoffs for 20 years before we see another quarterback as bad as Ryan. I saw, I
2: saw one two years ago, Joe Webb.
4: All right, and what happened there?
2: Same thing, Well, I'm much. saying,
4: like, when these things happen. <laughs> Same
2: thing. It was a total right. blah. You're right. I mean, just these things happen, but I'm well, going to give the credit. Luck. It's
3: bad luck for Arizona. You get stuck with a third, a guy who shouldn't even be on a, on a roster starting your playoff game. By the way, what do you, you want? know, Kerwin
4: Williams is involved as well. <laughs> 10 for 23. Uh, Lyra Fitzgerald, poor, the poor guy can't. He gets open and he's getting air over his head. Uh, Michael Floyd just disappeared this season. Dan he, there and just I just wasn't anything going on on Arizona's side. For and
3: me. Dan and I were not, I don't know what you perceive to be negativity towards the Panthers. Not at all. I mean, number one, the first thing when Dan uh, met me at the tavern that we watched this game, we both admitted that Luke Keekley is a handsome handsome very gentleman attractive let's start right there in fact there was a table it's clark Kent,
4: by the way just so you know
3: okay People i could
4: say i superman but luke is legitimately clark Kent. there was very a, fetching there was a table of girls at the the tavern that we were at hmm. all wearing keekly jerseys and i like, Oh wow first of all panthers fans in los angeles that's weird keekly fans makes sense you could add it up uh but then at one point something arizona scored their touchdown they were all cheering and it's like I'm not
3: sure. Well, there what's was going some disconnect in terms on that table's part of following what was happening.
2: I mean, I'm not an expert on male attractiveness. That's that's right. Really, oh, of course not. That's Dan's role in the group. Yes, yeah, so that's true. Actually. He often a lot of comments, but that keekly Cam, I keep it real. That Keekly Cam combination as your two franchise pillars, you'd have you could do an historical thing. Could you come up with a better looking duo than that? Pe- the ladies love Cam Newton. Cam is an excellent looking man as well. So that's a that. That's all I'm saying. And that's why I'm saying you got to give credit to the team, not only Keekley. Forget his forget the looks. What I guess what I'm saying is you can yeah, what are you saying? You like? can take away you can take away the Cardinals' offense what and you can
1: The hell's going on out here?
4: You
2: can still point out Thomas Davis is playing like crazy the last 5 or 6 weeks. You can Talk about this guy, Trey Boston, who keeps making huge, huge plays. They do have some guys coming together, and I think they could be a little problematic for the Seattle I offense. think we
3: agree that the defense, it, number one, good coaching job. They've taken a lot of young and guys, and in, in they're in their playing well. But I look at – look, at, they're running the ball with Jonathan Stewart, 123 yards on Saturday, but no one had more than 39 yards receiving for Carolina. Wasn't a good
2: it, day for Cam.
3: It wasn't a great day for him. But also, so you're going to go deal with this Seattle defense next. Number one, they shut down the run well. What, do you trust the Panthers to get out of dark corners with a passing game? I don't know.
2: No. I Cam Newton needs to play a lot better. He had a C-minus, D-plus game. I mean, that's oh. that's where – I mean, he didn't play well. He he would admit that. I actually thought – A sideline at the end of the game, I thought he played the greatest game of all time. But yeah. I, See, if you were listening, which, you know, you're at no. bar, you can't hear it. His post-game interview, I was actually kind of impressed with his maturity. And in the interview right after the game – uh, with the sideline reporter, when he said, "I need to play a lot better, my mechanics were off. I missed too many throws that was that was the first thing out of his mouth was that he didn't really have a good game, but the team you know played well.
3: How about Dave Gettleman, the general manager? I mean this was a team we rode off at the middle of the season I think Rivera too they they did a nice job recovering what could have been a completely lost campaign here
2: and what a what a sad time for the Cardinals though I mean did I've said it a million times now that the difference between Stanton and Lindley was bigger than the difference between Palmer and Stanton. They had no chance to win that game. I mean, I I give up that. And if that's the last moment for Larry Fitzgerald in a Cardinals uniform, it's just kind of what a lame way to go out. I think
3: this Cardinals team will be back though.
2: It all
4: depends with Carson Palmer's health. I mean, two ACL reconstructions now and he's going to be in his mid thirties, but it will be, I would imagine it's going to be a breath of fresh air when all these guys get back to camp and you have, Carson Palmer hopefully healthy and on the field. A functional quarterback. Because this is and this <sighs> is not the first time Larry Fitzgerald has dealt with this in his Cardinals career playing with these uh, as Bobby the Brain Heenan used to say in WWF, ham and eggers. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, these type of guys, you, they're just not going to take you anywhere. What does that even mean? A ham and egger? I, ham and egger is like a... They're so easy. They're like breakfast ham
2: and egg. So He's just
3: egg. a workman that goes... He eats breakfast and then goes... Does a day later. i not sure exactly job. what it
2: means. I love Bruce Arians, but Carson Palmer is going to be 35 years old coming off two torn ACLs. I mean... Hey, you, Arians you, said at the combine you don't really, play for another four seasons. You, you so. don't really know what you're going to have with him. So... I hope they get another quarterback in there, if nothing else, just so they have an option uh, other than Logan Thomas, apparently, when this stuff comes up. Logan... I hope
3: it's not Sam Bradford.
2: <laughs> Logan Thomas' his dad was the real hero here, tweeting from the game at the game uh, that there's no way they're making the comeback with this guy behind center. Oh no! Talking about NFL dads, there, there
3: needs to be like a etiquette class for a handful of NFL dads that just step way out of bounds at various times. Yeah,
2: and he made another reply to someone where he just said, "Why did they draft this kid? You know, he's made a huge mistake three weeks ago. He we doesn't just, know what they're thinking." What if we took Logan Thomas's dad? and Larry Fitzgerald
4: Sr., <laughs> and then just got some cameras on him and put him in a house in Malibu.
3: Got a podcast mm. that
4: might do Doing, better than uh, ours. Like Vick's brother in that. Yes, Marcus Scott's got Marcus <laughs> involved. Oh, this is a great show.
2: Yeah. Get RG3's dad in there. NFL's now is looking for programming. If any of you guys out there are listening, all in the NFL family. We want executive title. producer titles. Or Dan That's where the money is, by the way. Oh, yeah. We just need to get attached to the project <laughs> and then
4: just cash in on the back end with the DVDs and VOD Rack up a few Emmys. Yeah. Oh, Emmy
2: time. That's right. <laughs> Are the reality shows get Emmys?
3: I'm sure we could Yeah. Find top a way to top get an Chef Emmy always
2: says they get a lot of Emmys. That's a reality show. You know, it's a great show. Shark Tank. Have I
3: told you about that? <laughs> yeah, we've heard about it once or twice.
4: Dude. All right. Let's move on. Let's head to the AFC, and we're gonna uh, we'll we'll start with the Sunday game, which a great day for Chris Wessling. It is West of Us, the Cincinnati Bengals for the fourth straight year under Andy Dalton leave the playoffs after one round. This time it was Andrew Luck and the Colts taking care of business. Uh, Luck threw for 376 yards and a touchdown. Uh, 26-10 win for the Colts over the Bengals on Sunday in Indy. Uh, Mark, you feel strongly that what we saw today is really the last thing the Bengals really need to see from Andy Dalton,
3: right? I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what the referendum is, what we're looking for with his team. Four straight seasons. Uh, Today's game is not entirely on Andy Dalton, but for everyone that wants... We wrote an article I basically said, move on from this guy or at least bring someone in to seriously challenge him. And not some fourth round rookie, but you got to think about the fact that you have a very complete team here with a lot of talent, that this is the guy that's holding you back. 4.4 yards per attempt today. Uh, It's not just a thing. I mean, you get him into a big spot... The Bengals crumbled. They they were injury-riddled today. But Dalton, across the way, you've got Andrew Luck and other big quarterbacks from the league that will their teams to to victories. No matter who's on the field, with Dalton, he is incapable of it. So how how much more does anyone need to see? Do you want to do a fifth season of this? The, I don't.
2: The bar is so low for Dalton that everyone after the game saying, well, this one's not an Annie dalton and, and I get that because it's not totally. It was a complete right. team loss. Everything... The Bengals did defensively, running game, everyone's hurt it was was bad. It was a miracle that they only lost by sixteen. On the other hand, he had four point four yards per attempt, and after the game Marvin Lewis said, Well, he thought Dalton played a good game, basically, because no, he avoided no, a turnover. No. And if that's the bar for your hundred million dollar contract quarterback it's like that's just not how the NFL works anymore
4: this is the if you're a Bengals fan the frustration is so easy you know obviously he's not working with a a full stable of receivers but the check downs the Gio Bernard over and over (laughs) again in third and long scenarios where they're not even sniffing the sticks and you know this is just who he is it's like he's not he did take a few deep shots but none of them really came close to hitting and I will say, Dalton really needed Jeremy Hill to deliver a big game, and Hill didn't, he wasn't able to do it. 13 for 47, that's not going to do He did get in the end zone.
2: He yeah, well, one carry in the second quarter. It was crazy they went a, a, they away went from away him. They went away from it. And, But when they were running, it wasn't working either. It was eight rushes for 11 yards for the second and third quarter combined.
3: Well, I think, we, the, and listen, when you don't have A.J. Green in there and suddenly Vontae Davis basically is erasing Mohamed Sanu, you don't have Jermaine Gresham, Tyler Eifert's been out for – He's gone for the season. You know, they, I understand that Andy Dalton didn't have a full helping of weapons around him. At this, and Hugh Jackson, as a play caller, first, first a quarter and a half, did an outstanding job of like mixing in these players you'd never even heard of. Like they were getting, they were making plays. But that only works for a quarter or two when your quarterback cannot make plays on passing downs. It.
2: We shouldn't underrate the people that were out of this game, though. Not only Green. But Gresham, their second leading receiver, Don Son- Dane Sonsenbacher, who's at least been around, would have been a better right. option uh, than some of their guys. Marvin Jones hasn't been there all year. Tyler Eifert hasn't been there all year. I mean, that's four of their top five or six
3: receiving options. So that's yeah. it's a disaster. Let me ask you something. So you think that if AJ Green were in this game, let's just start. I was going to pick him. Well, you and did I, I did him. pick them. And I number one, I'm irritated that I fell for this because <laughs> it was ill conceived on my part. But I'm I don't not think sure they... what
4: what you even fell for because you've been against. The ba- Bengals is a team to take seriously all season, and you are no Dalton fan. You've been on the record on that. Why did you even do this?
3: I thought that this was, there was too much of a tipping point of the Bengals cannot win in January and the same old thing that we say every year. But then, that's exactly what happened. They were extremely <laughs> frustrating, and you cannot sell this fan base on the same formula Here, next season. Here's
2: what happened. These are human beings that had targets today in the Bengals game.
3: Humans with targets.
2: Ryan Hewitt. Targeted Rex Burkhead, targeted. who was
3: great for part of this game.
2: Kevin Brock, targeted Brandon Tate, targeted Greg Little, targeted and Kobe Hamilton. Well, I left.
3: I left out my up the last guy.
2: No, no, he's a real person. He had that guy was made up. He had two targets.
4: So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's the thing, and this is why I, I don't agree with you, Mark, and I'm, not, I'm sick of defending Andy Dalton because I'm annoyed watching him too at this point, but this is not the game to bury Andy Dalton's career in Cincinnati because he was it was a stack deck against I'm him. I'm not saying – And a better quarterback maybe finds a way to make it work, but you've got to be a damn good quarterback – like Andrew Luck, maybe, and maybe we should talk about the Colts.
3: We should, but one thing: it's not just this game that I'm saying this. This you have right. a four-year sample size sure. for Andy Dalton, and we talked about this two years ago. He hit his ceiling as a rookie. Yeah, we have. Apo- That's what
2: concerns me. We apologize to Colts fans. Yeah, we're going to be talking about to the, the Colts. Colts. We're going to the Colts. Talk about you plenty right now. We're going to talk about y'all week. You guys you can't, probably probably just can't be talking com- about Tony Romo. You can't week. complain <laughs> about anything when you get Peyton Manning, and then he leaves, and you get. Andrew Luck, I mean, give me a break. We shouldn't talk about Luck you. You guys so are so lucky.
4: Andrew Luck <laughs> is so good. And I wrote about this after the game. It it still drives me crazy uh, with jealousy that the Colts fans somehow got Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck back-to-back through just a, a wild series of events over one year. But this guy, and this wasn't his greatest statistical game, but it's just amazing to watch what he does. And there was one play in particular that really uh, put the game really away with how bad Cincinnati was playing. It was a touchdown pass about 40 yards to uh, Moncrief in, in which – uh, Luck faced some pressure. He moved up in the pocket, climbed the pocket. Then he had someone diving at his feet from behind. And Hanging he, on to his leg. Yeah, as he's falling down, right before he falls down, he spots Moncrief. Perfect pass. Hits him in stride, and he was somewhat covered on the play. Touchdown. And after the game, Charlie Chaz Pagano <laughs> says, well, that's, you know, he's a magician. He's a maestro or maestro. That's what uh, Andrew Luck does. The guy is awesome. And another team... And I know they're going – next week they're going to Denver. Luck is 0-2 in the postseason on the road so far in his career. But another team you cannot count the Colts out because their quarterback is so
3: good. And he makes it look easy. Finished with 376 yards. And you know what the story of the first half was for the Colts' offense to some degree was T.Y. Hilton and Luck could not get on the same page. At one point, Hilton had three catches off ten targets, left about 70-something yards and a touchdown on the field, maybe two – Hilton still ends up with a hundred yards. <laughs> right. Luck, I mean, it's like this is when they're clicking. The Colts, I would not want to be the Patriots. I would not want to be the Broncos. I wouldn't want to deal with this team. Well, not having a pass rush against Luck is just a
2: suicide mission. And they, the Bengals, had no pass rush, and that's why it's on their defense too. The, it the is. defense didn't have a good game. But I thought this was Luck's best game of the entire season, and I, I threw that opinion because he had some better statistical games. I threw that opinion. Uh, by a, a blogger, a Colts blogger, Nate Dunleavy from Colts Authority, who I really trust, and he agreed with me. So that made me feel better. Dan can actually look. You see these chicken yes. scratches? I have these little notebooks. You, it looks like uh, the ramblings of a madman. I t- I, t- I do little notes that don't really mean anything, but I keep track of what I consider a good pass. I have a very high bar for this. And Luck had 6.5 in this game, which is the, the most I've had by anyone. Wait, he had all... half a good pass at one point? Yeah, I give halves for, like, That's weird. good additions of, like, <laughs> routine, like, you know, deep outs a, or something. We needed a name for this. Only eight, <laughs> yeah. only eight bad passes. Anyways, that's the best ratio Scratches. anyone's had in any game that I've done all year. For wow. what it's worth, it's just my made-up stuff. But it stuck out to me that he had that many great plays without almost any bad throws, without many. If someone told me this weekend <laughs> that Dan looks perplexed, by I'm the way. still. Uh,
4: your writing is uh, amazing to me. <laughs>
3: if we if we were to see playoff action involving Trent Richardson, Brandon Whedon, Josh Cribbs, Greg <laughs> oh, Little and Rob Chudzinski, I would have thought that old Browns team from two seasons ago suddenly got hot, but no. (laughs) Other teams picked up the trash. Greg Little should not be on the football field, but I thought Cribs looked pretty good for the Colts today. He's given them a little life in the return game. He's okay. He's given them a little life. I mean, he's that's no... crazy. like a uh, crazy... Mark. No, I know. No, I think no, Josh Cribbs. No, is a legend I'm not, in Ohio. I, I think it. he has... I thought he's, he's no, he's, Zerlon, he's done a nice job he's no
2: Zerlon Tipton. By the way, the lowest moment...
3: Zerlon Tipton. Of,
2: there's the lowest moment of Trent Richardson's career here oh, that they didn't give him a snap. That's saying something. He, he had an illness that he missed Friday practice for, but what? it's like, you know, if... If Boom Heron missed Friday practice with an illness, or or any decent starting run back, he's still playing in that game because they need him. But instead, they use it as an excuse to play Heron and Zerlon.
3: Well, and Heron, you know, base <laughs> it seemed like Heron kind of got yanked after that fumble, which right? is which, weird
4: because yeah. it wasn't a, an egregious fumble. Like it was a really nice play from behind and getting punched out. But there,
2: he had two it's fumbles though, total right? He had yeah. two but, fumbles. Okay.
3: But Greg makes a good point. You think at that point, you listen, you're going to put Richardson in there to see what he's got? No, you go to Zerlon. And you got Zerlon. Someone Zerlan. shot out of a, like a cannon from outer space. Another dimension suddenly is playing running back for a playoff team.
2: It's a little worrisome and we'll get into the the Broncos game, but it's a little worrisome how reliant they are on Hilton because I don't know if Nix is making Nix made a great play on that 45 yarder, but Nix is not the speediest receiver in the world. Wayne is clearly not Wayne. It's just a lot of T.Y. Reggie, Hilton and the, and the Broncos have a good secondary.
4: Reggie Wayne has hit the stage of his career, by the way. Uh, growing up a huge Don Mattingly fan, by the end of his career with the Yankees, every time <laughs> he would do anything, he would get a huge ovation by fans because he couldn't really play anymore, but he was just so beloved by the fan base. Reggie Wayne has hit that level with Colts fans now. He had one catch in this game for 12 years, 12 yards, and they gave him an ovation like he just won the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, Which is, by the not, way, good for Reggie see Wayne. Him again after this I, season, I'm not saying so. that to, to you know, denigrate Reggie Wayne, who's had a great career, but it just goes to show you that he's not even close to the same guy he was before he hurt the knee.
3: The Cam Newton extended family, and the Reggie Wayne clan do not want to listen to this podcast. Yeah, how, yeah, how dare you? Dan just <laughs> tearing that down really. Statues. I feel like
4: I gave a nuanced uh, reasoning there.
3: Maybe, Maybe you did. should. Yeah,
2: you're basically giving credit to the Colts fan base, yeah, and great, they are one credit, of the best both crowds in terms of being smart. Good. And they know that was probably it. That was probably his last catch as an Indianapolis Colt. The odds on him being back next year, in to India. me, is very... Anywhere, because he said he's not going to play anywhere else, and I don't think they're going to offer him much
3: of a contract, and that's just how these things end. Give that Colts crowd credit in terms of being smart. When the Colts are on offense, it is like the middle <laughs> of the night on the ocean. You can't hear anything in there. <laughs> well, who other who trained than them? A, Peyton Manning. Well, fair enough. But, I mean, Andrew Luck, by the way, and we talked about this, the loudest cadence at the line of anyone on the planet. Well, Flacco's close. Flacco is great. But but when there's there's not another sound in the entire building, it only makes it that much louder.
4: That's a good point. All right. Are we done talking about this game?
3: Yeah, let's –
2: Colts
4: have
3: any chance of – I think they definitely definitely do. Absolutely. Let me
4: finish my question. (laughs) Winning the Super Bowl. Oh,
3: Sure.
2: Andrew it's luck. about
3: who gets hot. If luck plays like this for the next two weeks, they'll get in there. What, what's that? I, I don't. I, I don't have, have a big
2: problem with that. I have very little faith in their defense, but you have to give them credit for what they did today. Like we gave the Panthers credit for taking care of a bad opponent. They were all over the, Panth- the Bengals receivers. It's hard to see this defense winning a Super Bowl. But
4: NASCAR
0: they're... Trout, deep Scooby Right, F Short, Switch Salt Swirl. Oh,
3: that's pretty good. That's a tongue twister too.
0: Uh, NASCAR our... Trout. Deep Scooby right F short switch salt swirl.
3: Always double down when you have the chance.
2: <laughs> By the way, loved your nautical reference. Just surprised it took this long in the show to get yeah. to. Yeah, when's the wilderness hit coming? It's got to be coming soon. Sessler where plays the hit.
3: We still have another game to review.
4: You are like you're like the classic rock band that makes sure to get in the big hits in the encore. <laughs>
3: That's not how I tend to view the podcast. Like that, we was, must that was that was your like born to
4: run. Show. We're still waiting for Thunder
2: Road.
3: <laughs> well. All
2: right. You go got your Browns. Let's, you let's got your poor John. <laughs> actually, Hell you got there. your Browns reference in there. You got the nautical. So, well, you know what? You guys
3: <laughs> are laughing, but what, you know, Rob we're Dynchie just waiting for gets satisfaction plugged Into now. Andy's, you know, coaching regime and suddenly bang, you're in the divisional round.
4: All right, let's move on to the final AFC uh, playoff game. Or actually, it was the first AFC playoff game. It was on Saturday and it was Jaunty. If you're a Ravens fan, Joe Flacco threw two second half touchdowns and the Ravens took care of business in Pittsburgh, beat the Steelers 30 to 17 on Saturday night. As I said, uh, Greg, this was a surprise. Well, not surprising to me because I had a hero pick on it. Wow! And did I mention and by the way, nobody said, oh, Dan, great job going 4-0 this week. Thanks. Oh, great well, these job.
3: picks don't they don't count. OK,
2: <laughs> I'm sure they don't because what did you go?
3: I don't even know. I, went, I don't even remember who I picked. I went...
2: Th- Where did I go? Oh, this was the only one I lost. Three there and one.
3: There hero. you go.
4: Thank
2: you, T.D. You will have the most hero picks on the year,
4: so that's good. Well, I'm uh, I'm also... I'm thinking big picture. I'm looking to take you down the, for the whole season. In the playoffs. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Greg, Joe Flacco outplayed Ben Roethlisberger... The Steelers, it turned out that they did have that last egg in them, and Le'Veon Bell not being involved obviously plays a big part of that. But tell me,
2: how surprised were you that the Steelers played so poorly? I was surprised, but not after I watched the Ravens do three drives. Because then you knew the ravens offense was back i was very surprised this was my confident call i thought the the steelers were going to roll but the steel presented the Ra- by td ameritrade that's right the official sponsor of the, the NFL. ravens team and one uh, two different Twitter followers pointed this out. They were like, "You've been loving the Ravens all year. Don't you feel stupid for not sticking with them here?" And I do because they looked great from September to November, like a team that could go far in the playoffs. Very bounds. That team was not around in December. Their offense was Wait, terrible. And that was
3: your whole point. That we don't want to. We want to well, ignore. I'm a man that of many <laughs> contradictions, Mark. <laughs> well, I thought you know le- it
2: was ignore December. Apparently, at least
3: when it comes with the Ravens, you should have ignored December. Well, you should have. I mean, I, I think we got a little cute on our preview of this game in discussing Le'Veon Bell and saying, Oh, you know what? This is a perfect matchup. They don't need bell. This is, this is a perfect setup for them to, you know, to deal with Baltimore's injury riddled secondary. Well, you know what? You could have used bell.
2: Well, of course he's maybe, I think he's the best running back in the league and you're right. We probably didn't take that into enough account, but I give the, the win to the Ravens offense and I give the loss to the Steelers defense. The Ravens offense had 30 points in their first eight drives This was not a game where the Ravens just like, oh, they looked like a better team and the Steelers put up a stinker. They looked like two completely even teams matching up and Baltimore just made all the big plays. The six plays where, you know, Flacco gets a, Touchdown on third and goal from the 13. I mean, you expect that to be three points. Antonio Brown jumps, should have gotten his feet down in the end zone. Bad throw by Ben. There, it, the Steelers were making all these long drives and then kicking field goals or not getting anything, and that's what killed them. And maybe we should
4: now that we have another big win in January. This John Harbaugh, Joe Flacco pairing, that these guys, these guys are business. They have never lost in their first round, uh, first round playoffs. They have a Super Bowl ring. Now they're hot, and they're going to New England, and we're going to get to that during the week. We'll dig into that. But they have no fear going into Foxborough. They've won a game in Foxborough to get to the Super Bowl. They should have won a game if they had a better kick kicker another time in the AFC title game. This team is dangerous, and it's crazy because we were just talking
2: about how they were playing so poorly, and it just shows you how things, quickly things change in this league. My favorite throw of the week by far was the Joe Flacco toss deep to Torrey Smith. Onions! Third and one at the Steelers 34. You're up eight points. All you need is a field goal. He has two guys underneath that looked open, and Flacco just doesn't care. He is aggressive every play of the game, and he goes for it, which seemed like a crazy throw, and he throws a perfect pass to Torrey Smith. Who doesn't get his feet down, and then suddenly people kill Flacco for the decision. Give me a break. It was a perfect throw. Sexy deep ball. Sexy deep Sexiest. ball. Sexy. Number one. You He's d- the best. I don't uh,
4: usually don't give Flacco because Flacco has too much arm strength, so it yeah. looks looks more like projectiles. has too much power on okay. it, but that was good. because well, How about deep, Joe that was Flacco's great.
2: body language this time of year? It's got to be off the charts for you. It's
4: pretty good, man. His fans, his teammates love it. It's pretty good. Torrey it's, Smith let him down on that play.
2: And people, Right, and they still got the field goal that put him up eight. And look, you ended up winning the game, and he, he stayed aggressive. They were so aggressive all game. Like, if he's having a bad game, he's really aggressive. And he's, if he's having a good game, he's really aggressive. It doesn't matter.
3: People <laughs> laugh at, like, the, the idea that John Harbaugh said that Flacco is the best quarterback in football. And, he, and he's not. He's so let, let's start right there, <laughs> but but it is fair for John Harbaugh, who's one, who's who's you know has a Super Bowl ring on his hand I because get of this quarterback. Exactly. totally get it, and he's a perfect fit for this team. Because
4: when if put yourself in John Harbaugh's shoes. There's no other quarterback that you can imagine that you would not go into war with at this point because you know this guy's done it and you're you're completely confident.
3: And the and the quarterback that he beat in the Super Bowl two years ago is part of the reason that Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline Whoa. watching that game. Nice tie-in, Mark. That's a high moment for Mark, but I also
4: we got to talk a low moment, Mark.
3: Yeah, what is that?
4: Your Super Bowl pick is officially dead. You have the Steelers <laughs> and the Saints both gone. Your thoughts?
3: Well, it's troubling. I mean, number one, the Saints pick turned out to be a reprehensible embarrassment. <laughs> and, a, and, another, and another alone. indication that we don't really you know are a anything. Factory of sadness. Oh. That's a low moment for TD right there, who has apparently one button on his control <laughs> booth. Let me,
4: let me try to set you up a little bit. Okay. Are you down enough that maybe you need to take a walk in the wilderness?
3: No, I'm not going to go down that road. <laughs> nice try. A nice attempt on your part. Oh, all right. That's too bad. But listen, Pittsburgh in and, and and I remember people laughing at Dan when he said this a couple days ago that they have one more ill-fated stinker, stinker in them and it happened.
4: And Mar- well, Greg, you don't think it was necessarily a stinker.
2: The last the last 5 minutes well, were it's a stinker, a loss. but it was a big time just, loss. Let's, they got out they got yeah, Let's home.
4: call it what it is. They at home again. In a game they should have won. They were playing great this entire last two months, essentially, with maybe one false start against the Jets uh, and the Saints, obviously, those two games. But this team has been playing so well. They were a Super Bowl, darling. You do wonder, though, we can't, you know, the Le'Veon Bell thing, we've got to go back to it. It's just that guy was the engine of that offense.
2: Well, I think their only way, I didn't, obviously, we didn't know this going in, but their route to winning this game was in a shootout. And they have the offense to do that. They would have had to win this game 35-31 and they could have they have the team that they could have pulled that off and without Bell that wasn't going to happen. One question, a
3: lot of if you talk to a lot of Steelers fans, there is at different periods mounting frustration with Mike Tomlin. That, oh yeah. Do you is there any chance I it's too late in the season, you know, maybe it's too late to reorganize, but was there any chance Tomlin could ever be taken out of that, that coaching position?
2: It wouldn't shock me. This year, this in the next month, I would be. I sorry. mean, it would be it would be surprising, but there has been talk before that he's been read the riot act a little bit. Um, this ownership is not one to make rash decisions. Not so it'd be, it'd be really surprising, but it, I don't think it's impossible. Maybe they go get Sean Payton. I think I think Dick LeBeau is a more interesting name to talk about because, you know, they don't want to get rid of him. But it was on the defense to me. I, I bought into that they were playing better in December. Cameron Hayward looked good, Jason Worlds, and you know they were terrible in this game. They got no pressure. Troy Palomalo, I, I kept thinking, oh, oh, was that Palomalo? He finally makes a play, and then it was really Ross Ventrone. That's depressing. You know, oh, he's the guy with long hair on special teams. You never
4: want to be mistaken for a
2: guy named Ross, <laughs> just in general. Ventrone brothers, by the way. I, what, what's the other one? Ray? No, I forget. That one of the more underrated brother pairings in the NFL in a long time, the Ventrones. So what do we think about the... <laughs> Super ra- underrated. <laughs> Greg, that, that one fell. And, yeah, well, yeah, the listen, they can all be hits. Yeah, there's people out there that know what I'm talking about when the Ventrones are well, coming they, up, and they're like, I love this Greg guy. hit me with some them off Ventron. a roster. I mean, they have, a, they have nine Greg
3: lives, those guys. Greg is
4: hilarious. Someone <laughs> listening right now. Uh, Greg, like I said, we're going to get into it during the week, but just... Uh, one to ten, ten being uh, peeing your pants, uh, one being I don't care about nothing. I'm awesome. Put my aviators on and walk away. How scared are you about the scared. Ravens going to
2: Foxborough at a spot scared. where they have no I'm fear? not scared of any teams playing the team I like. That's a silly word, I think, scared. What? Well, that's a nice know. existence to be
3: in. Yeah. I get what scared that of a lot mean? of teams. What
2: kind of answer is that? The Ravens are a much harder <laughs> Opponent than the Colts or the Bengals would have been. They have a much better chance to beat the Patriots this week than I think the Colts or the Bengals. So, in that way, I'm, you know, I'd put a five or six. In the other way, I look at it like. That's also peeing your pants, by the way. Yeah, that's fine. Little trickles or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I look at it like if the Patriots are going to go win a Super Bowl, you have to be a great team and you're going to have to beat great teams and you're going to have to beat a team like Seattle or Green Bay. So, it's like if they're. Great enough to win a Super Bowl, then you can beat Baltimore. You know, first and if not, they'll
3: just lose. First occurrence of the word trickles on this podcast <laughs> in 186 episodes. Yes.
4: <laughs> S- Sunday night, Greg in a diaper. Tune in. But, by the way, I'm also happy that this is the first time in what feels like forever that the Patriots don't have an open walk-in invitation to the
2: AFC title game. You're going to have to earn this, Greg yep. Rosenthal. Yeah. You know what? It reminds me a little bit of 2003 where they're I think the toughest matchup they had was the divisional round game no one remembers against the Tennessee Titans, Tytoons. who looked primed to win that game, really played a great game. They lost a close one. Patriots survive it, go on to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that happens again. Maybe it does, Greg. Maybe By just, the way, that guy is still laughing wherever he is. He's like,
4: that Greg Rosenfall. The Red Knee slapper.
2: You know, maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'm not the populist, you know, Mariah Carey type guy that you are, but, you know, there's some. Okay. <laughs> okay. There's, I'm more like, you know, the people that like the deep cuts, uh, have a refined taste, little you know indie oh, rock. Oh, so like you're, you, you're
3: essentially reducing Dan to like a, a clumsy everyman. Yeah.
4: Well, or a billionaire billionaire diva. I just don't right. follow the analogy too much. But, uh, all right, so that's it. On that note, that is the wild card wrap-up. Uh,
2: What is our schedule this week? What are we doing,
4: Tuesday and Thursday?
2: Tuesday and Thursday. And thanks, by the way, for everyone who listened to our wildcard preview. You guys made it our uh, most listened to show in a long time, and we appreciate you guys sticking with us all the way through the playoffs. TD, uh,
4: you did a great job getting that out there as well as the producer. I just want you to know I appreciate you. I do, too. Mark the one that does No, I
3: think, TD, you are a professional in every sense of the word.
4: Appreciate it, guys. I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know what it you. It feels like a setup, want, doesn't it? But you know, fun <laughs> no, show. Thank Here's you, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to TD. We will be back on Tuesday. Wes, I assume, will be with us because uh, Wes is will sleep with a smile on his face tonight. West of us has come. Uh, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the Sizzler, also known as Quiet Storm and the Boss, and of course TD behind the glass till Tuesday. Thank you for listening. Wildcard weekend's done.